Welcome to the podcast that demands ambition, passion, and courage in order to succeed in this mission called life. All you have to do is just pass your limit. Go beyond your restraints by embracing the physical, intellectual, and emotional suck that life will throw at you. I'm your host, Ugo. I do not claim to be the subject matter expert, but I will share my experiences and I'll ask my guests to do the same. The discussions will be guided by honesty and civility. Some episodes will have guests, but most of them will be me and you. No excuses accepted here, people. None. I'm excited to get after it. So without further ado, let's go. My guest today is an Air Force Special Operator, specifically a Tactical Control Party Specialist, otherwise known as a TACP in the United States Air Force. He has a total of nine years in the military. He comes from Northern Virginia, an incredibly thoughtful man. I am honored to have Staff Sergeant on the Past Your Limit podcast. How are you doing, brother? How are you? Hey, how's it going, Hugo? I'm uh, doing good. <laughs> I'm awesome, awesome. Uh, so let's just, I know you're a busy man, so let's get right into it. First question, I like to give my audience some context. Um, so I want to know, like I already talked about where you're from, but really I want to know the dynamic of how you how you ended up in the Air Force. Why Air Force Special Operations? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so like you said, I grew up in uh, Northern Virginia, and um, I first I went to film school when I graduated high school. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's like not what you'd expect. I was not a... Uh, I was not the kind of person that you would think would join the military. Um, I did uh, about a year of film school, and then I just kind of got discouraged with it. Um, I ended up transferring to something that I thought was more marketable uh, at mm -hmm. Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth University. Oh. Um, so I studied business there, and then um, I got really just kind of bored with that too. And um, I ended up just not, not finishing, dropping out, and enlisting in the Air Force. Oh, so you didn't graduate, but you actually have some college credits, right? I do. I do. I do have college credits, yeah. Um, I I just I, I wanted to be in a field rather than uh, getting ready for a field. I just right. wanted, to, I wanted to be in it. So why special operations, though? You could have been any other thing in the Air Force. I mean, why did you want something that had that challenge with it? Well, I... I was doing a lot of, I was working out really hard at the time, and uh, I wanted something that was challenging, and mm. I'll be honest, there's a cool factor associated with uh, with doing it that really appealed to me. Um, I wanted right. to wear the, wear the cool kit, go do the cool job, so that's that was my initial draw. Um, since then, my appreciation for it has evolved into something else, but uh, right out the gate, I just wanted to do something that was kind of cool. <laughs> Cool right, to right. a cool to a young adult boy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's that's the truth, right? But for you, that's your truth. Uh, no judgment here. But so, how's the pipeline? Like, what's the pipeline to be a TAC P? Well, you start. You go to um, you do basic training just like everybody else. Uh, after that, there's a prep course, and it's like a three week prep course where you kind of get the uh, you get, that's your intro to the job itself and uh, the culture surrounding the job and uh, basically kind of a rush of cold water as far as what the ex expectations are. Mm -hmm. And uh, a, lot, a lot of people don't make it through that uh, prep course. Um, so you're getting evaluated during the prep course. It's not like 
So is it like a special warfare prep uh, prep course or is it like a tack P specific prep course? I don't know. It's a, uh, it's now now it now it's a uh, special warfare specific prep course. But at the time it was the tack P prep course. Um, the career field has, has evolved. They've uh, we've we used to be considered battlefield airmen, but the designation has changed to special warfare, um, which has kind of replaced the battlefield airman uh, moniker, if you will. Uh... Yeah, and. Which comes with a lot of other kind of neat things as far as like funding and uh, and uh, support is right. concerned. Nice, nice. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. So you were talking about the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the pipeline. It was uh, it's the the prep course three weeks. After that, uh, if you've made it through that, you go to uh, well at the time it was Hurlburt Field in uh, Florida. Now it's uh, now it stays in San Antonio, but. It's a six-month uh, apprentice course, basically, um, mm. broke, broken up into blocks. And that's kind of where you get everything from, you know, your uh, CQB, your small unit tactics, your uh, field skills, soldiering skills, but also radio skills, how to, how to operate equipment, uh, and uh, some of the fundamentals of uh, coordinating close air support. Mm. So you do like the whole cast and uh, do you work with like, I guess it's Marines, they're called um, Anglicos. Oh, Anglicos, right. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, that's interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's an intro. It's you're not a, you're not a qualified JTAC when you leave that uh, course. You're a uh, you're a TAC P apprentice. Um, but after that course, before you get to your unit, uh, you, there's a SEER part of the pipeline. It's just the three-week survival, right. evasion, resistance, and escape course at Fairchild Air Force Base in Washington. And then, uh, which, hey, I, I don't know if anybody knows about that, but uh, it's fun. It's really fun. That's that's not what I've heard about it, though. Like, you're the first oh, person no. that said it's fun. I guess that's why you're an operator and I'm not. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. it's like, uh, it's not that fun from what I hear. But we can't really speak on that, but... um. Well, I, I, you know, you learn some ca- camping skills, um, <laughs> which really, in, really in-depth camping skills. Kind of like a if you ever watch Naked and Afraid, it's kind of like right. that. <laughs> Only you're not naked. <laughs> See, that's that humor I always talk about. I love it that you have that humor <laughs> in the middle of everything that you do. So, uh, so you got out of that. Did you ever wash back, or just you went straight through? I did wash back actually. How um, was that experience? You know, it was a, uh, it was a. Uh, not a good experience in the short term, but I think it was a good experience in the long term. Um, in the short term, it was very disappointing. I was at a field, and it was like this field week at the time. It was like you don't sleep for the whole time. It's a whole week where you're being run around the clock. You don't sleep. You're doing a night navigation through the swamps of uh, Florida, and you can't use can't use any light. So you're kind of blindly dead reckoning using a compass to do like a, it's like a two click movement. Yeah. Land which, navigation. Right. Sounds easy, but after when you haven't been sleeping or eating and, uh, it's dark outside, it's, it's a little harder, but, um, anyway, uh, I busted on my, my night nav. So they drove me back to camp and they put me in this place called the graveyard, which is just this shack where all the people who failed have to sit in the darkness until everyone else is done with the field. It's really <laughs> depressing. Right. And then, uh, so I was upset. They washed me back to another class, and um, it was it was good. It was a good opportunity for me to kind of assess my uh, my resiliency, mm. because 
it was very easy. It would, it would have been very easy to fall into kind of like a, uh, you know, screw this. I guess I'm not, you know, I guess I can't, I guess this isn't for me kind of mentality. Right. right. But, um, I went through my sadness, my sad face period and pulled myself together. And I'm really happy, uh, that I went back. I'm, I'm happy with the class that I graduated with. And, uh, honestly, I feel like I got better at the actual skills by doing them again. So it, it all ended really? up being okay. Yeah. So that, that that's what my um podcast is about, about overcoming adversity and trying to find the how, what makes people stay in the fight, you know, like because some people in that situation would have been like, hey, I'm done. I quit. I don't want to go out there again and do this night nav. Um, let me out of here. But what made you want to stay there and overcome that adversity? It's self-image. It's self-image and self-esteem. And it's the prospect of going the rest of your life knowing that you could have succeeded at something, but you quit when it got hard. Um, mm. It's a matter... It's long-term thinking. It's when you're in the moment thinking, hey, um, you know, one day I'm going to have kids and I'm going to talk, talk to them about these experiences. One day I'm going to be laying on my deathbed thinking uh, back on what kind of human being I was. So it's almost like you got to prepare for that and understand like you want to create experiences that you're proud of and not experiences that you're ashamed of. So you prepare for the hard times, like mentally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I'm trying to explain what, what went through my head during that time in a way that's not cliche or isn't, you know, a bumper sticker, but it, mm-hmm. there's really no other way to say it besides you just got to make quitting an unacceptable course of action. <laughs> wow. I, I appreciate that. That, cause that's the hard thing to actually explain. Cause um, I had a mentee that went through buds and um, second day of hell week, he, um, he quit and he, he hasn't been the same since. And, um, I just don't know what to say to him because I haven't been through that experience, you know, and I just remember how excited he was to go through the process. He went through Navy Special Warfare prep, then hit buds and just didn't work out for him. And he hit that bell. So it's like I've never heard anybody quite put it like that. You kind of like you have to have that long term thinking and it gets you out of the moment, I guess. Yeah. And to kind of play off that, I wouldn't judge someone for it, you know? Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's not their priority, you know? Maybe it's just not what... I mean, hey, I quit film school, you know what I mean? Right. And but that's not... I mean, come on now. <laughs> that, that, that's not like trying to be a special operator and go through a pipeline. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess... I, I don't know. It's different kinds of people. You got your priorities. Um, my priority was making it through that school. So if I quit mm. doing something that I wanted to do, I would have quit on myself. Um, when you quit something you don't really want to do, maybe sometimes that's the right thing, you know? Wow. So that's, that's awesome. It's about not letting yourself down. Not really about not letting other people down. At least in that circumstance, there are circumstances where it is about not letting other people down. Right. So then you completed that phase. Did you have to go through jump school or no? So the jump school used to not be part of the pipeline when I went through, um, it's part of the pipeline now. Uh, so, since the transition to special warfare, now it's people. The pipeline's completely different now. Um, people go through uh, their prep course. They go through SEER. 
they go to jump school, and then uh, they're going to start going through almost like a JTAC uh, initial qualif- qualification training course as well. After um, jump school? Like, <laughs> that so, sounds like it's backwards, but... So, so it's too... It's too what it used to be is you after seer you would get to your unit as a not qualified as a jtac you're just attack p so then at your unit you'd go through this initial qualification training organic to your unit and once mm-hmm. you met certain uh, requirements they would send you to the jtac qc qualification course in uh vegas where you would uh at nellis air force base where you do like a three week this is how you control cast like Right. This is you are now on the, at the next phase of your career where you are learning to say cleared hot and have bombs drop off a plane. Right. And people would come back from that, and then they're still not a JTAC. They still have to go through their mission qualification training, which involves sims and ex you know exercises, scenarios, uh, right. event training events, and then only after that's complete are they able to get their evaluation. And then the evaluation that's kind of the capstone of their. Uh, journey to becoming a JTAC, once they pass their evaluation, they are now a qualified U.S. Air Force TAC-P JTAC. So. Awesome. So we've been talking, we've been using a whole bunch of acronyms, and I just realized uh, we never actually, I never give you a chance to explain what exactly is a JTAC and what is a TAC-P. Okay. Um, that's a good question, because a lot of Army guys that we work with get confused about it, too. They're always asking us. Um, so I'll set the record straight. <laughs> um, okay. Attack P, a tactical air control party. That is the team that uh, brings close air support to the army. So it includes the JTAC. It includes the support personnel that work alongside the JTAC. It includes uh, it includes the air liaison officer. Um, the JTAC the air liaison officer is a marine, right? Uh, in the Air Force, it's a no. It's a Air Force guy usually. Oh, it's a yeah. pararescueman. Oh no. No, uh, it's a TAC P. He's a member of the TAC P. We have our own. Uh... Al- they're called ALOs, and uh, they used to be pilots that uh, were doing like a tour of duty um, from the gr- on the ground. But mm-hmm. uh, now we, it's actually its own career field. The Thirteen Lima uh, AFSC. Gotcha. And for those that don't know, AFSC is Air Force Specialty Code. That's right. Uh, wow. Okay, so so that's uh, JTAC. Then, well, I mean, well, that's TAC P. That's TAC P. That, right, okay. a, a JTAC, which is what I am, is a qualification that you receive after becoming a TAC P. A JTAC is a Joint Terminal Attack Controller or Joint Terminal Air Controller. Uh, um, and the JTAC has the uh has the ability has been uh given the qualification by the DOD to approve and clear uh ordinance from an aircraft so really right so in in the case of a tick like troops in contact you have the authority to approve like an a10 going hot absolutely wow absolutely um if if they don't hear it from me then they're assuming the risk so when a J, what a JTAC does is he assumes the risk, does all of the necessary coordination, understands the uh, consequences of the attack, has full SA on where, or excuse me, situational awareness on where all of the ground players are to include army companies, army platoons, scout teams, artillery f- firing through the air, um, helicopters, whatever is happening uh, on the army side. 
it mm. has enough essay to work in the air integration piece and uh, realize the ground commander's intent by dropping bombs or shooting guns from A-10s, F-16s, F-18s, F-15s, AC-130s, B-1s, B-52s, whatever. Right. Wow. Yep. That's interesting. So what's the minimum rank for um, JTAC? Um, I've seen JTACs as as low or as a uh, as low in rank as E three. It depends on the individual. Are you hustler. serious with, with weapons with weapons re- release authority? Are you serious? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and 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 it's crazy. I was a JTAC when I was a senior airman, so E four. Right. And and I remember I would I would get embedded with uh when I when I deployed in two thousand twelve I'd be embedded with a company. And I would sit in on the meetings before the mission. It would be me, uh, captain, the um, the first sergeant, the fires NCO, the you know the, the S two intel officer, and right. I'd be the lowest ranking guy at the table. And uh, the, all these guys are looking to me, uh, an E four, to provide this cast piece, which is right. not a not a small piece. It's a huge part of the mission. So it was a little, it was exhilarating actually. Um, it was, it was exciting to play such an important role when my rank was so low. <laughs> right. And then, right. and then the exciting part of the job is that from that planning phase, the MDMP or military decision making process phase, mm-hmm. I then, I then, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, um, I then phase into the execution portion. So I'm part of both execution and planning. And after planning this mission with my staff, now I'm out with a, I don't know, Delta company, and we're troops in contact, and my plan is working, and I'm calling in air, and I'm saying cleared hot, and then I'm seeing the bombs hit the ground. That's that's phenomenal, man. So, like, since we're there now, let's talk about it. Um, how is combat, you know? Is it like the video games, or No. <laughs> It's not like the video games. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, mean, I know that, but I just happened to say that because like, that's like the joke for people that haven't been in the military. Oh, let's play. Uh, what's that video game they play? Modern, modern, uh, modern Warfare. Modern, modern Warfare, yeah. Yeah, and they think that's how it is. And no, man. It's it's hard for me. I don't, I don't want to step on anyone. Everyone has a different combat experience and everyone, uh, everyone experiences it differently and everyone's in different situations. And I, I, I couldn't... I couldn't say that I've experienced every type of combat situation, mm-hmm. but for me, um, it was, uh, it's, uh, exhilarating. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it can be frightening. It's exhilarating. Um, what it comes down to is your training. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of, it's a cliche that a lot of people say, but, um, you, no one ever goes into combat and then comes back and says, man, I trained too much for this. Mm. So it's really, when they say, F- I fell back on my training, you hear that all the time. Oh, right. it, hap- it started and then I just fell back on my training. That's really all you have. You can't learn your job in combat. So Yeah, do you have any story you can share of uh, combat? That, can... that feeling of how, how it happened? Um, I, you know, uh, on the subject, I could talk about the first time I ever experienced combat. Okay. Um, so first time I ever, and this, it's not a good, it's not a, it's not a story of me doing really well and doing something awesome. It's actually kind of a, more of a warning than anything else. Right. But, um, so when I got to my unit, when I got to my first unit, we were doing regular rotations in, uh, Afghanistan and I was only at my unit for a little while before they threw me on a plane. 
and sent me there. So, um, I, mm. I would say that my, uh, training was, uh, abbreviated, um, to some extent, right. um, in the interest of getting me out the door as fast as possible. So when I got to my first, uh, when I got to my first posting and, uh, I was down at this cop in, uh, Eastern Afghanistan, um, I went, I was going out on patrols with the army and I still felt like I was a brand new guy. And so it was kind of scary because I was the only Air Force guy and I wasn't, uh, you know, I was different than everybody else. And right. uh, a lot of these guys have been there longer than me. So they, everyone seemed to have a lot more experience than me. So it was a, it was a little intimidating. It was, a, it was kind of fun too, but it was a little bit intimidating. So we're out there and uh, we were at this OP or Overwatch position, mm-hmm. observation point, OP, whatever, whatever that, whatever that actually means. Uh, we were out there. And uh, we we're on. T- we we're in a kalat, which I don't know if anybody's been to Afghanistan. It's these kind of mud houses that people build there, mm-hmm. and uh, we were occupying one of those just to, to set up a patrol base where we were running operations from. And I was on the wall of this kalat pulling some security, and uh, we started getting shot at. Um, we started having rounds landing like on the wall, and uh, we were taking Shit. pretty heavy fire um, from uh, some guys, some gentlemen that were shooting at us. Like so, Taliban. Yes, Taliban. God. So, so we were taking fire, and uh, I, I knew what I was supposed to do, but I was fumbling. Like I, I was like, oh, shh. What, what, I guess now this is where I'm supposed to request air. So I took out my SATCOM antenna. This is like my third time setting up a SATCOM antenna. <laughs> but I, I break out my SATCOM antenna. I just put it together, and I aim it. I'm pinging, and I hook it up to my radio. Um, I was using one of those Prick 152 radios, which I really didn't have much experience with, because right. when I went through tech school, we trained on the Prick 148 embitters and uh, Prick 117 Foxes, which we don't even use anymore. Right. Um, and w- this is one of the newer radios. It uses the same interface as the Prick 117 Golf, but it's like a very, it's actually a really nice operating system, but it was very, very new to me. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it, during combat, I'm like, the whole time I'm running through my head is like, well, if I don't, the sooner I get, every second that I'm not getting air, someone could potentially die. So it was very heavy stress, but, um, right. kind of just took a breath and, uh, figured it out. Um, which I know I'm kind of, uh, contradicting myself because I said, get a, in combat is not a time to learn your job, but I was kind of mm-hmm. learning my job in combat. But, um, yeah, so I, I think I, a combination of luck and just, uh, taking some deep breaths and trying to slow my thinking down. I uh, managed to establish communications with the uh, ASOC. Um, I declared a tick, which uh, thankfully I had the foresight to write down all the relevant information before I even stepped so I could do it quickly. Right. And uh, ended up getting some F-16s on station. And um, yeah, we, we were okay. Everything was okay. It all worked Ooh, out. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> you came through in the clutch. I like it. But uh, so, uh, the yeah. lesson, the lesson, you know, when I got when I got back to the fob um, a couple days later, um, mm-hmm. the first thing I did was I broke out that prick one forty eight and right. sat there right. and uh, practiced doing everything on it over and over and over and over because I really kind of drove home for me like, man, you, you gotta you gotta be prepared for your job when it's a job like that, you know? Right, right. Because a lot yeah. of people are depending on you, so it's like the lesson is just be good, good in the basics, uh, be tac- tactically sound. Uh, and and go out there and perform, right? Right. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. So, did you lose anybody that day or no? No, nobody died. But I'll tell you what, if someone did, I would have blamed myself. 
I mean, it can't be yeah. like that though. You know, I, but, I heard you saying, but hey, it it is it is like that though. You know, like that that's just how that, when I when I'm doing that job and mm-hmm. I've got all these kids, like you know, I was a kid at the time, but everyone else around me was a kid too. When you're doing that job, that I wasn't. At no point was I ever really afraid of my own life. And I know I'm not trying to sound like a, a heroic guy or anything. I, I think it's just the nature of that job in general. But, you know, when you're doing that job, the prospect of someone, of you not being fast enough or you not doing it right or somebody getting hurt or you letting down your team is mm-hmm. an order of magnitude more terrifying than the idea that maybe you might get injured or de- or killed or something. How does that work, though? How is it that you're in a very, very stressful environment where people people are shooting at you, you're in combat, and you're not really thinking about yourself? Like, how's that possible? Um, It's, it's I think, second nature uh, when it comes to that kind of job. Um, it's uh, kind of... It's a matter of it's a matter of like I don't really know how to describe it. It's the what you have when you step. It's what it's I think one of the reasons why any of us join the military. You know, I think when we when we first sign up, we're deciding that we're making like almost like a contract that we are now part of a greater a greater entity. Uh, we're part of a greater so, good. Something bigger than ourselves, right. right? Right. It's the service it's service before self, you know, and <laughs> I can't imagine and it's awesome. it's it's not a hundred percent. It's not a hundred percent selfless either. It's also, it's a personal. It's can you live with letting people down? You know, can you live with l- having a responsibility and dropping the ball? You know. Mm. So ultimately, I'm thinking of myself going back to the other thing, not quitting. I'm thinking about myself as an old man, or I'm thinking about myself talking to my kids, and uh, w- you know, what can I live with? Can I? I can live with pretty much anything that's not letting up letting other people down because I blew it, you know, or I didn't live right. up to my responsibility. So. Right. That's a, that's a perfect segue to my next question. Cause I wanted to ask you specifically what your thoughts are on, um, service before self. But before we go into that, um, uh, I just thought about something, uh, that I saw. I think it was yesterday that I saw this. Do you know who tech Sergeant Cody Smith is? He's got the silver star. Yeah. Um, I know of Cody that's, Smith. I don't know Cody right. Smith personally. But um, so yeah, what's it's, the it's difference awesome. between him being a combat controller and you being a JTAC? I mean, it's, a di- it's the it's, same it's, job, right? It's a different AFSC. It's a different job. Um, uh, so I'm a, I'm a TACP. He's a combat controller. My training is laser focused on close air support. TACP's mm-hmm. TACP is a close air support centric AFSC. Uh, combat controllers, they're a little bit more versatile in a lot of ways. They have a wider range, a wider ranging mission set. Their primary function is to seize airfields. That's why they all go to air traffic control school, because once oh. an airfield is seized, now they're a forward air traffic controller on the ground to bringing aircraft in and out of, uh, of this uh, runway. So that's kind of... I don't, and I, I don't want to... Sp- they could probably explain it better than me. It's not my wheelhouse. It's not my right. lane. So I can't really, I'm not, if I'm doing a bad job explaining what combat controllers do, I apologize. But, but yeah, but they, they start off like you though. They're, they're, they're TAC-Ps too, right? No, they're not. They're not TAC-Ps. Uh, some of them are JTAC qualified. So that's kind of where we overlap. Um, uh... ta- almost all ta- all TAC-Ps eventually become JTAC qualified. Um 
some combat controllers become JTAC qualified. So we kind of overlap with the JTAC qualification, but their primary function is not being a JTAC. Our primary function is being a JTAC. Gotcha. Got it right. now. Thank you for yeah. explaining that. Okay. I mean, I, I digressed right there. Let's get back on uh, subject. So what are your thoughts on service before self? Um, I think it's a prerequisite to being a member of the military. Um, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's... And I think it's bigger than that. I mean, I think service before self is, uh, you know, goes back to being a member of society. Um, we make we make a uh, we make a contract when we choose to be a part of society, and that contract is, it's better for me, if I if the things I do are better for the common good because I'm dependent on the common good. So, it's the common good that should come first because if we all work towards the common good, it'll be better for all of us and the people that we love care about. But let me push back so, on that, though. Like, some people don't agree on what the common good is. So it's like, there's no clear there's no clear explanation or standard of what the common good is for different groups, wouldn't well, you say? It, I, I would say that that applies to most things. I would say that in the military, they make it clear. That's one of the... that I mean, the military has this whole infrastructure, framework, rank structure, uh, guidance, approval authority structure. You know, there's all these... There's all these mechanisms in place to make it very clear what the right thing to do is in the military. Hmm. Um, and it's doctrinally defined, the the commander's intent. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. So, so I would say it's very clear in the military. I would say you're right. In the rest of life, there's a lot of room for debate. It's very unclear. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because it's funny you say it because I was just having a conversation about orders. And, um, and I touch on it on my podcast, another episode where I talk about like an order, when you, order breaks down basically to SMEAC, you know, you have the different parts of an order, you have the situation, mission, execution, then um, administration and logistics and combat, um, C2. And then the mission is where you have that commander's intent and it drives everything else. It drives mm-hmm. ops, it drives decision-making, you know. Right. That, that's awesome that you touched on that because I haven't really looked at it in that mindset of, what if society was like that, where we had the commander's intent, you know, then well, everyone is driving towards the commander's intent, you know? And I don't, I don't know if that would necessarily be the best thing for society, you know what I mean? Um, Why not? I, well, it almost, so, uh, it almost sounds like, uh, I, it almost sounds like dystopian, you know what I mean? Like they're, Why? They're, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> Because, like, you have, you still have, you have the IG that can hold people accountable, right? right? And and we all agree on that standard. So, at some point, someone has to make a decision, right? Someone has to be that person in charge that makes the call. Then, if you don't agree with it, if it's an unlawful order, it's, it's in an enlisted oath. You know, like, I took it once. You know, it's like, you don't obey an unlawful order. But if it's a lawful order, then... We fall in line, right? Um, right. Yeah, but. I, 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 th- I, I see your point. Um, even, even in the military, like there's a, there's a collective determining what's lawful and what isn't. That's Congress and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people voting at home. So there's still, there's still, even though the military is definitely not a democracy, the w- the way we conduct business, our objectives, and our, uh, our overarching um, function. Mm-hmm. The intent, or the the crown commander's intent, if you will, but on a larger scale, is still determined by 
people debating and disagreeing and voting and making you know right. that that's the foundation of democracy it's the foundation of democracy so when you say that if we took the very much not a democracy aspect of the military and applied it to the rest of the, the way we we society functions it almost sounds like a uh, the reason that I was kind of hesitant to agree is because it almost sounds like a dictatorship. Yeah, you know I, can see, I see your point now. Right, right, right. I can see how that can evolve into something very bad. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good point, good point. So, nah, I, I like the way you describe service before self, something bigger than ourselves. Because from time to time, I meet people in the military that are not bought in. You know, I know we, we're all different. We come from different backgrounds. But it's like... If you don't like the country, why are you in this thing? You know, like, why are you serving? And I get it. Some people are serving for financial gain, uh, the benefits. But I struggle with that from time to time, you know? Those people might just not really be the people that we want in the military. I mean, Right, so why don't we give them a chance to be in the military? You see what I'm saying? Like, it just drives me crazy. Yeah, I, it's. I, I think it's just. I think it's unavoidable. It's a necessary evil because we need a certain amount of people, and right. it's either an all volunteer force or a draft. And either way, whether it's an all volunteer force or a draft, you're gonna get you're gonna get people that don't necessarily belong there. And I mean, we could get rid of all the awesome benefits. We could, you know, the uh, yeah. thing. But and maybe then we would attract less. I guess more self motivated people. But right. it would suck. It would suck a lot for the rest of us too. <laughs> You know, what I mean? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So, what is that saying that they they say five percent of people do ninety five percent of the work and yeah, something like that? I can't. That's what people say. It. People say that about bureaucracies, large bureaucracies, to include yeah. the military. And I, yeah. sometimes it's true. Yeah. Unfortunately. Right. Awesome. So, what are your goals, man? Like, what what do you want to be? Commission one day? Uh, you doing twenty, thirty years? Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm still working on that. Um, I have a uh, I have some. Uh, side projects in the works. Okay. Um not going to go into too much detail about what they are, but I have a uh, but hey, they're they're all legal. <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah, but um I I have some uh, kind of side projects in the works that I'm uh working on trying to uh I'm going to see where those things lead me. Mm-hmm. And um you know, there's a lot of I I love obviously I love the military. I love I love my job, but um I, I I have a lot of other things that are important to me that are not necessarily military or job related and yeah. um, maybe more creative things that I'm uh, pursuing. So I, I can see you doing stuff like that, creative stuff, because your abstract thinking, man, it's impressive. So it's like, so you always have, and like you, I've noticed something about you. You actually study what goes on in the world. You're not just narrow-minded and focused on local stuff you you know what's going on outside of our borders Nothing i try i try i'm a i'm curious i'm a very curious person um and uh i'm not Did really that start when you were young or is that something that just started when you joined the military well i i think i have my parents to thank for that they're very curious people and okay. um i was raised in a uh household that definitely um promoted uh thought free thought and um, I wasn't really spoon-fed answers as a kid, but I was given a lot of resources to kind of find answers. So mm-hmm. I, I, I thank Mama and Papa for that. But um, yeah, yeah, That's it's awesome. It's at- I know it's atypical for military, especially like enlisted military or people in my uh, people in my career field. Um, you know, not to, not disparaging anyone, but it's a lot. They're mostly uh, I would say right-brained 
or what's the word? Is that the right term for it? Right brain, objective based type of people, which great people, but you know, uh, the more left thinking, ab left brained, abstract, creative uh, types generally are not attracted to this job. Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Breaking news. Defense Secretary <laughs> Esper fires the Navy Secretary for proposing a secret agreement. Whoa. Stay away from that. Hmm. Over uh, uh, the Navy SEAL Chief Gallagher. I'll stay stay away from that subject. Um, yeah, that's a... Uh... <laughs> Hold on. Let's let me, not, yeah, let's not address that. Let, let's leave that alone. Oh, my alone. goodness. Right, you see it? <laughs> I just let's got not, it on my phone. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. let's, let's, let's not talk about that. Um. Yeah, so back to what we're discussing, though. <laughs> That's kind of huge. Uh, I'm, think, I'm thinking about it. I'm not talking about it, but I'm thinking right. about it. <laughs> so where do you get your drive from? My drive? Uh -huh. Oh, man. Uh, I've, I've kind of already, uh, I think we already touched upon some of it, but um, my drive. Are you talking about my drive in life? My drive yeah. with my job? or No, no, just, just in life generally. Like, What motivates you? Um... Well, I'm trying to be, uh, I think the same thing that motivates a lot of people, uh, I'd like to be a happy person. So, um, I guess I'm motivated by happiness. Um, you satisfaction. You family, you want kids? You know, I do, but I don't have any plans in the works. Um, it's kind of like a, that's a, it's a far rock, or it's a, uh, Man, more you're getting old, man. We're about the same age, man. It's like, <laughs> I, know. It's like, just I know. So you know, I know, and, and uh, it looks like you have a very beautiful, happy family. So congratulations yeah, on that. Thank you. I'm happy. I'm happy. I can't complain at all. You know, daily victories. That's how I think about it. You know, yeah. everything has its challenges, but hey, it's it's worth it. You know, right? But um, you've come so a long way, man. You were uh, <laughs> you were a basic, and. Uh, <laughs> Don't give them all the information, in man. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. That's classified. Oh, whoops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've, we've come a long way, brother, you know, and I'm proud of you, like, everything you've done. And to this next question, though, like, I always ask all my guests um, this same, same question. What's the most uncomfortable thing that you've done, and how did you overcome it? The most uncomfortable thing that I've done... Yeah, it could um, be in combat. It could be training. It be it could be outside of the military. Flying United. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's see. Oh. I guess. Uh, I guess the same. It's. I'm sure a lot of people can relate, but uh, just moving out, leaving my family, and being a being my own guy. Um, that's that's a hard step for people to take, and it was a very hard step for me to take. There's definitely some growing pains. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I think the best way to deal with stuff like that is just be brave. You know, um, sometimes you have to jump headfirst into stuff and accept the consequences to grow. Mm -hmm. And growth is a painful uh, process. It's like giving birth. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's not uh, like giving birth. Don't go there. Don't, don't, don't even pull know. me in with that. Don't pull me in I with that even, one. <laughs> I I mean, obviously, as a male, I could never understand what giving birth is like. Yes, but we do not know. Ladies listening, we do not know how that works. Okay. But, you know, it, it's kind of like passing a kidney stone, you know, like um, moving. Is that better? Is that better? <laughs> yeah, I just thought I'd say anything. Uh, I, I haven't had a kidney stone, but I heard it's pretty bad. I, and it's like I've childbirth. Also, I heard. I've also heard it's pretty bad. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's. I guess it's like that. You know, it's a painful process. You... Um, 
And I think a lot of people shy away from it, um, and I think that's a that's a mistake. Um, I think people should. Uh, it's worth your while to uh, look at those uh, scary things and do them. Like do them as much as you can. Kind of numb your mind to uh, scary, uncomfortable things. I like um, it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Numb your mind to scary, uncomfortable things. How do you do that? Through preparation, repetition. Um, oh man, I don't know. Um, repetition, uh, are you, are you just born with it? So like, you think your path to becoming an operator is, just came from your upbringing? It was nothing that clicked inside you? It's, uh, I think it's, maybe it's a form of insanity, but, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, nice. kind of, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a jump. It's a leap of faith. Um, it's like believing that things are going to be okay, no matter what. Um, and I don't really know where I get that from because I'm not a religious person. But uh, right. I guess I guess I just have an inherent faith that if I do something, if if I do something for the right reasons, then it's going to be okay, no matter what. Even if it mm. even if it doesn't work out, you know. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe I'm lying to myself. But uh, like that's that, that's what I go off of. Mm, I like that. When you do things, do something for the right reason, then everything will be okay. I'll take that. I okay. Like so, um, would you change anything in your past if you could? Oh my God, man. What? <laughs> what a loaded question. I'm just, just, just being honest. That, hey, past your limit podcast. You have to be honest here. Past my limit podcast. Well, I mean, besides the obvious, uh, putting my money on the Giants in 2007. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm a Browns fan, and we crushed the Dolphins today, so I'm in a very, very good mood right now. You know, I have a lot of respect for Browns fans. Um, <laughs> well, a lot of respect. Yeah, that's a, if if the all the young girls that are listening marry a Browns fan. You know what I mean? <laughs> they'll they'll never leave you no matter what. Oh no, man, no, no matter what. <laughs> right. It's good. To, it's good to know that. Good to hear that you haven't lost your humor, man. I love it. <laughs> oh right. man, that's awesome. But, um, but go ahead. If I could change anything, um, you know what I'd do? I'd be faster. Um, and I don't mean like physically faster. I mean faster in life. Um, I've kind of, I, I've wasted a lot of time. Um, mm. and uh, I think that uh, it's a lot of time I didn't have to waste. Um. You know when you're when you're in a point in life where you don't think things are working out or it's not what you uh, it's not what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. There's the tomorrow is not you know tomorrow is not a better day than today. Next week is not a better week than this week. You know there's always a good excuse. There's always a good excuse to put something off, but just because an excuse is a good excuse doesn't mean you have to take it. You know. Hmm. So. Yeah. How do you go from joking around to going that deep, dude? Like, come on, man. <laughs> it's like you just completely left me. But no, that's, man, that's just, awesome, man. I just I save all my fortune cookies and I got them all laid out in front of me right now. <laughs> but you know what though? Like, I'm super proud of you and the man you've become because you're living like my dream, bro. Like, if I could do it again, I'd want to be a shooter. You know, and like, there's just something about being an operator I, and being something. Being I think bigger. I think you'd be good at it. I think you'd be good at it. You have a eight type personality everybody um, tells me that <laughs> yeah. yeah you don't seem like you don't seem like you're the kind of guy that's afraid to speak up um yeah not at all which is probably an understatement but uh <laughs> yeah i think you'd be good at it man 
Yeah, but it is what it is. I have a son, so uh, I'll start grooming, grooming him early. It's his life. He can do what he wants to do. But I already have all the different avenues for him. You know, if Attack P is not what he wants, he could do Pararescue, Combat Controller. He could be uh, Swig. He could be Seal. He could be Ranger. See how I'm just going off of options? I, I'm tracking everything. <laughs> but um, thank you. Thank you, man. Before I let you go, I just have, like, a couple more questions, and I, uh, I'll let you go. First thing I want to ask you is, um, what's your advice to those that want to become operators, uh, that are scared to embrace the suck? What, what would you advise them to do? Don't do it. Um, you know what I mean? <clears throat> don't do it. Uh, it's not for, it's not for everybody. Um, and I'm not, I don't mean that as an elitist thing mm-hmm. at all. You know what I mean? Um, I think that anyone who wants to do it can do it if they want it enough. But if you're hesitant about it. Dude, if that's don't, cliche, man. Come on, man. Like anybody I wanted to do could do it if they wanted to. You think you, so? If you're willing to, if you're willing to do whatever it takes, there's almost nothing you can accomplish. I mean, if there's if anything short of being, in, you know, having a, a a injury or missing a leg or right, right. you know some kind of condition, if you're a if you're, I mean, it's not even just men now. If you're a person who is willing to put in the time and the work and the sweat, then you can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you hear about the private first class that just graduated basic reconnaissance school? In, no. Uh, in the, is in it the Marines? Is it is it a female? Yep. First female ever to graduate BRC, basic uh, reconnaissance course. Man, and that's, that's impressive. Through, yep. She's going through the pipeline now. Next phase, I believe, is a uh, combat diver in a... Uh, Florida that should go to jump school free fall and be operational well that's badass good for her um I'm sure that was I'm sure it's difficult you know you know all the eyes are on you yep so good on her yes like sir her so, like <laughs> yes sir so um in closing do you have any final remarks to share with my audience anything you can share with us well hey thanks for having me on the program um it's fun yes, to sir. talk to you and uh I'm I'm sorry. I feel bad for the audience having to listen to me just <laughs> going on and on. I feel like I'm very verbose, and I apologize. But Dude, um... you did awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> you did awesome. Like I really want to thank you again. Thank you for coming on. Um, you shared a lot that I can definitely apply to my life about um, overcoming adversity. So, join. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to come on here hey. and share your experiences and stuff. Hey, it's a pleasure, uh, and just a uh, just a last word to the audience. If there's anything that I, I could summarize, um, it's uh, you know, um, be your best self. It doesn't matter who that self is, and I know, that, I know, I know, I know. It's like a very cliche thing to say, but be your best self. Um, whatever you do, do it the best. If you if it's painting, paint the best. If it's being in the military, be the best member of the military, and as long as you. As long as you make yourself proud, I think you're gonna make other people proud, and you're gonna—it's everything's gonna be all right. Hoo ya, And with that, brother, <laughs> we'll end this right here, okay? All right. Take care. Yes, sir.